filmmakers, artists, musicians, UX is one field that is the most accepting of n number of different professions. The accepting quality of UX has given us passionate professionals like Deepika Datta Kapoor. Deepika has been recognized as a woman disruptor by NASCOM for her role in evangelizing UX in tech and making it a more accessible profession in Asian countries. In this episode, she shares her journey of switching into UX and the experiences that helped her navigate the UX wars. I am Sweekriti, the host of India's first user and UX research podcast, Core User to UX. Welcome to the podcast, Deepika. It's really great to have you here with your kind of experience and all the things that you've done. I can relate to you because you come from an art background and I was a filmmaker myself previously and you were also have been an art director. So like that is very comforting. And now that you have done so much in the UX field, it's great opportunity to have you here. So thank you so much for being part of the show. Thank you, Swikriti, uh, for the kind words. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to be part of this podcast, Core User to UX series. So excited and I look forward to a conversation. Yay! <laughs> so my first question is about your story. You graduated from College of Art, which is a very famous art college in Delhi. Um, like I remember when whenever I used to go to Monday House, there would be art students sketching the environment and things like that. And then you became an art director and now leading UX at New Gen. So, I mean, how did you arrive at UX? What were all those stories, all those decision points? How has your journey been in the field? I would love to start with that. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I would say the magic is in the journey. And I have been experiencing the varied fragrances of the field, I would say. So I'm absolutely enjoying it. And it has been an unplanned journey, I must say. So uh, my dad is an engineer and he encouraged me to pursue design. Maybe he saw something which I could not see being too young at that point of time. So uh, fresh from college, I followed my instincts and just went with the flow. Now, if I look back, uh, I think I grabbed every different opportunity. I prepped myself, learned within the situations and scenarios. Hmm. I, I, I must tell you this, the dynamics, culture and difference and in fact, the way of working, uh, expectations, between organizations is very, very different. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, the way of working may differ for an ad agency and a large software organization, but still the core remains similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, The target audience in the former and users in the latter, Mm -hmm. they are still kind of, you can see some overlapping synergies over there. Mm Something which I deeply believe that one way of working will never work for all setups, whether it is strategy, your approach towards dealing with clients, people and designers have to keep on evolving. Mm -hmm. 
and that is what you learn in your way which has been the case with me as an art director i was directly working towards the need of a brand and stakeholders building conceptual campaigns and print ads which have a limited life right mm-hmm. uh, while as a ux expert it is about uh, building products for the user by understanding their needs doing enough research and user testing before releasing the product in market mm. in ad agency you are creating a need in users mind for the product yeah mm. whether it is a i would say a food product it could be kellogs or it could be a chocolate so you are building that need for the user making it enough lucrative for them while over here in the software industry you are doing enough research and user testing before releasing the product and market for mm. understanding their needs in advertising you'll see that uh, you are creating not just the need in the user's mind but it requires creation of a brand guidelines a brand itself while other consumes the brand guidelines and builds a design system got it yeah so in fact one more thing i just realized that in an ad world the user engagement is passive in nature mm-hmm. uh, consumers are viewing the advertisement typically without any direct interaction mm-hmm. in a software product it requires active user engagement and the time spent is significantly higher they are continuously engaging so yeah. it's like if you are building something there is an advertising which kind of leads to the digital side of the product hmm. Hmm. right hmm. so it isn't about right or wrong approach but it is about there are boundaries hmm. uh, there are carry forward of and they are kind of interlinked with each other as they move forward yeah absolutely you brought up some really great points uh, because even when i was switching from filmmaking mm-hmm. to user research and ux research i saw so many similarities in film i am helping create a cinematic experience in fact i am myself creating a cinematic experience going into the character's head or taking inspiration from the real world and then curating a cinematic experience that touches the hearts of the viewers it's not so emotional in here like when mm-hmm. you're in a corporate world but that storyboarding that understanding and getting those emotions so these are the nuances that are so similar and that's the thing ux is so accepting of so many fields kind of becomes very like it's a very magical experience to switch actually so i'm so glad that you shared your points how it is different and how it is similar as well so thank you so much for sharing that i really feel that this is going to help those people who are thinking of switching and who are you know sort of getting interested in this field absolutely absolutely so it is kind of linked as you also said and you have experienced it yourself 
so it's like uh, advertising leads the path to the products that mm-hmm. you see uh, you may see a airlines ad mm-hmm. you may see a product that enables you to book your airlines right mm-hmm. so it is a bridge i would say there is a bridge between both of them mm-hmm. so actually that would be a great exercise for anyone who is thinking of switching to sort of draw out the similarities and the dissimilarities between ux and the field that they want to switch from and then see through that lens that how beautiful ux can be or maybe it even doesn't work for them so uh, coming to our next question uh, you have been a mentor a ux mentor for years now what is the one foundational mistake you have made someone make as a new uxer i'm talking ux in general including everything research design and now mm-hmm. that we are on the topic of someone switching from a, from a different field to this field so maybe you can give examples of a new person who is switching from a creative field into ux and the mistakes that you have seen them make swagriti first of all i'm so happy to hear when you said user experience uh, covers all the different areas and you are not bifurcating ux with user research and basically segregating user wireframes that are created and the research is done it all comes together even the experience of visual experience the user interface is also part of user experience so everything from start till end whatever touches the user is user experience so uh, yeah. i guess that that is a very thoughtful question <laughs> you have it well i need to think through as there are always surprises based on various past learnings of individuals yep so uh, to think of it uh, i think i can pinpoint at least one area that as designers we need to evolve and move away from getting attached to our design solutions hmm and know where to be assertive and that is okay to let go few things hmm for example let's think about a scenario where there is a product which is being built for movie theater booking so in that case there are a lot of discussions that happen when a product is being built so what is the most important discussion that would be required or the most focus area would be that a user comes on the product and is able to not just smoothly book the movie but he is able to identify the location the movie and the timing these are the three most critical things for the viewer to do on the app post that there are other things which add to it there could be offers they could there could be snacks around it there could be trailers and other pop ups or some exciting offers scratch cards and all which keep on uh, popping in the app or those suggestions can come in the reviews the ratings they just add to it the experience so as designers i guess when 
we move into any discussion, whether it is with the customer, with the internal teams, or any review meeting of a design, we need to be ensure that we are fighting for the $50 feature instead of the five cents. So it is about balancing out the negotiations. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And another thing could be when as designers, we tend to at times become uh, very focused on just the design part, ensuring that our interactions, our wireframes, our design is at top of things, but we are not aware about the business value. So becoming aware about the business side is equally critical, which means that it's okay if you uh, don't understand the business in depth, but uh, being aware and blurring the lines between the businesses, the designers, and between design and research is very important. It's not just about uh, closing your role at just a research level, at just the concept or design creation level, or just uh, wondering about can be grown further. Mm -hmm. So instead of segregating it and putting lines around it, it is important that there is some transition that happens. Transition can only happen when these different designers are equally involved with the other roles, other expertise. That will enable them to understand the complete ecosystem mm -hmm. and also understand that there is going to be a value out of what they are designing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's also about building a solution-oriented mindset instead of just coming out of a meeting and feeling bogged down that, okay, this is something, a design or a feature that I proposed is not technically feasible. Mm -hmm. It's very natural to feel uh, bad about it, but also understand that why it is coming across. Once you understand the persona of the other person in the room, it will be easy to maneuver your way into yeah. it and you'll be able to negotiate better it yeah. could be your customer it could be stakeholders it could even be your technology team <laughs> where you have to at times push your thing so yeah. a simple rule is uh, instead of fighting for five cents fight for that 50 dollar feature i would say wow that's a very good way of putting it down uh, because when I'm relating your business goal or business decision point to the things I do. <clears throat> so in my research, so many insights and so many things come out. One user is mm -hmm. saying this, one user is saying that. Now, as a researcher, even I have to prioritize my insights in such a way that all the stakeholders, whether it is the designer or my product manager, is able to digest them. And I was little challenged on this aspect because prioritization was becoming hard for me and as you said that it might not be important to understand that business the thing is that when you are just entering 
understanding that business everything can be so overwhelming that it's actually uh, close to impossible to understand it at one go especially mm-hmm. with the thing so that business goal or the business value thing is i think central to everything and as a new user experience researcher designer those things might not be set inside us so thank you so much for sharing that because even in our research we try to have a very set business goal business agenda mm-hmm. uh, before the overarching question in fact of our research so thank you so much for sharing that yep yep so it is just one goal that the entire team mm-hmm. is moving towards mm-hmm. there have been instances where we have also involved a technology lead as part of our knowledge sharing sessions in which we are talking about these are the outputs of our research mm-hmm. and how it can bring value for the designer when they are ideating mm. right so once you start bringing in different people different expertise Mm. at times more minds do bring a lot of perspective you mm. need to filter out that uh, information also but it also enables them to understand where the reason or where we together want the product to reach mm. <laughs> what is the most important problem of the user that we all are trying to fix yeah what is the solution we all are providing as a team mm. yeah so i guess making all all the different stakeholders aware about first the problem then the direction of the solution is something important and it will bring in a lot of value you are bringing up so many relatable points <laughs> like i can see my office setup and all the things playing out in my head whatever you said happening mm-hmm. because knowledge sharing and research repositories are a different universe they so mind boggling <laughs> and and then all the touch points like not only tech team even the marketing team being the uxer you have to be in touch with every one every stakeholder the pm the tech team the marketing team and and that vision like first you get it from someone and then when you're doing research it dynamically changes because what you had initially understanding in your head that might not have been correct and so that even the exchange of that vision and then arriving at a similar at the same vision actually boy oh boy that <laughs> that is a <laughs> entire different yep. Yep so I won't shy away from saying that uh, the ownership to onboard the entire group hmm. about the product and its goal the vision or the direction where we all are going to move forward based on the research data it is the responsibility of the UX group the product owners to ensure that everybody is on boarded they are not just working on one small epic or one small user story but they need to understand that holistic uh, picture 
so that they know that this small feature that they build how it's gonna bring value how it's gonna get attached in the larger system absolutely yeah that's great one tipika thank you so much since you were involved in the art side of things and i even had a conversation with you when you explained to me that in advertising you had those columns and then when you switch to ux it switch to pixels and that nitty gritty mm. information so it is very important especially for a designer so i believe that you started with the design side of things i want to know like how has been your experience with user research not only user testing or you know testing a prototype but actually understanding your user your maybe even if there is an experience of working with user researchers like a different team mm-hmm. of user researchers communicating to ux designers how successful or how much has it failed you even in fact user research or even user experience research is not something so common across all the startups maybe mnc's are doing great and their level is absolutely like sky high but it is such a basic thing that i believe it should be everywhere but that isn't the case so maybe you could share your experiences of working with the research team and where mm-hmm. did it support you as a designer or where did it fail you as a designer and why yeah first of all i would say i've been fortunate enough that uh, i've worked uh, and i have formed teams these experienced groups design studios where ux research ux strategists or i would say the product owners they were never part of a separate team mm-hmm. they all were part of one entire group mm-hmm. being the experienced group mm-hmm. okay. and it is also critical to understand that no data is irrelevant mm-hmm. it just adds perspective to an information Mm. though one may decide that to use a partial data from it or they may have to use the overall the complete data and even discard some of it mm. see that is what research is all about mm. you may use some and you may discard some mm-hmm. bringing in the raw research data mm. and then decoding that data raw research independently may not bring in that much value for the designers the research output is the input for the designers hmm hmm so that would be the directional path that most of the ux designers crave for hmm so typically what happens i've seen that there are some amazing researchers who have been in the industry for few years they have matured and they know that when to pause their research come back and decode mm-hmm. while uh, the world is kind of especially internet world is flooded with so much of data and it is very easy for somebody to actually uh, drown themselves in that research and they don't know when to come back 
uh, when to pause that research and get lost with so much information. So mm. that is where uh, the decoding becomes really, really critical. Mm-hmm. The UX designers do value uh, the data that they receive, but mm. it needs to be in a, I would say, in a structured way for them to consume. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it is a reflection of the current state of the product mm. and it also provides direction to the future path of the product. Mm. So instead of uh, breaking or putting the walls or may having researchers and designers work as different teams or as different groups, they should work hand in hand. Mm. The user behaviors, their patterns, expectations, all this information is gathered from research. And all this data actually assists the designers mm-hmm. to provide a focus solution. They may also propose an interaction which will bring value to the product based on these inputs that they receive from the researcher. Yeah. In fact, there are proven methods available to uh, how to decode the research data in an organized manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me share with you an example. So for one of our customers, it was a UK's leading logistic operator. So they came up with a problem to us uh, where they said they are observing increase in employee exits. So what we did, we approached this case a bit differently by not just interviewing our, I would say, customer or their head of their departments Mm. or even the employees within the office premises. Mm. So one way would be obviously interviewing them, conducting user research. Mm. But also we went ahead and tried to gather insights of the sentiments of these employees. Mm. It was via the online reviews that they had submitted, some inputs that were published by employees on social media or a feedback on products uh, like review, like in on Indeeds, they would submit their reviews. Mm-hmm. Right. Based on that research, the takeaways actually highlighted the business problem mm-hmm. that the onboarding process of employees was pretty lengthy. It would take take weeks for them to actually train and be in the system. So see, under let's understand that this is a logistic uh, operator organization and the employees are the ones who are looking for immediate compensation. So mm-hmm. if they have to spend weeks on just getting onboarded into the system mm-hmm. and they don't get the real value immediately, it would be difficult for them to move on their uh, pay scale as they move forward, right? And then another area of concern for the organization was that there was was no limitation on hours. Work-life balance was missing of employees. Mm -hmm. 
they were working for long hours which added to the stress of the employees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there were even i would say feedback that was submitted uh, somewhere in, as part of the social media posts mm-hmm. by few of the employees that they mentioned that they were working in central london and they had to pay the congestion charge from their pockets Mm-hmm. they have to drive 6 miles mm-hmm. in peak hours mm-hmm. which uh, resulted in the usage of more fuel mm-hmm. while their competitors were doing it very differently so long story short the areas which required rethinking were definitely fixing business problem like policies building an efficient onboarding system so that they could get on the job as early as possible cut off time on their working hours zoning for drivers so that they don't have to travel those long journeys which impacted the uh, fuel cost which they were paying from their own pockets mm-hmm. and somewhere bringing a bit of uh, motivation either through gamification or having those uh, leaderboards built in pushing for awards which were more area focused than individual focused mm-hmm. for an employee so all these things actually help you to realize that the problem space what was initially considered that employees are exiting is it because lack of compensation or something else but what was realized was a business problem which required to be fixed yeah so it is important at times for us also to educate our customers and even uh, among ourselves we all need to understand that user experience encompasses everything not just wireframes and visual design as we spoke mm. but catering to the internal and external spaces mm. that form the experience for the user users could be your employees it could be your external teams it could be anybody every touch point that directly or indirectly touches the user mm. either through technology through data through content the whole experience is what matters yeah like just mm. when you think uh, that user understanding is mm. like about product and everything then it moves to hr <laughs> like it's equally yes. important to understand like your internal users oh my god that that's mm. why it blows my mind user in understanding user research it's amazing so that is why each and everything that touches that specific user or the user group is something which as designers as researchers Uh, one should definitely explore mm. yeah and another great thing that you pointed out here was getting to the honest data points so for me it's not just the interviews from which i'm getting the data from but my chatbot where my frustrated users are saying why is this not working what is this that's like the utmost honest data maybe in the interview they can tweet to me and they want to look good 
and similarly you mentioned the social media posts hmm. again you went on for the most honest and pure data point which could actually show you the picture and another interesting thing this wherever there is a hierarchical approach uh, i'll give the example of only fans when only fans banned their uh, adult content and they were so in out of touch with their users that they i mean just because the investors wanted they banned such a thing the thing for which it was used the most because there are yes. this hierarchical approach and not uh, they were not in touch with the roots that is the users so what the story you shared sounds very similar to that wow again it's a very great story yeah because uh, at times we do touch upon user behaviors we touch upon their patterns we try to understand their pain areas but this proven technique of how you analyze the sentiments the emotions dig deep into it the whole psychology part also plays a critical role so that is where it is important for you not just ux designers but also for researchers to a bit detach themselves not and not just focus on one input but what is the general sentiment that uh, they are getting out of all the reviews all the feedback at mm-hmm. times there are a lot of in between the words the gestures the body language that you need to understand mm-hmm. of the people you might be interviewing mm-hmm. and then just pick that small point yeah and that becomes the center of your whole solution as you move forward absolutely so coming back to your decoding point what the example you gave whatever insight that you shared what was the process of decoding them in the sense was it a chain like i went through the social media post as a researcher then i gave it to the designer or then it went forward or was it like working in a cluster where both the people are involved or was it entirely something different because this decoding thing is the first time i'm hearing and it is making a lot of sense and at the same time i've never thought about it so uh, see there are uh, different stages at times user uh, researcher needs to go back in isolation hmm. listen to the recordings reread the notes that they have made go through the review points that they have highlighted from social media they would have pulled it somewhere in their documents or any of their format or diaries uh so there is a processing time yeah. that as a researcher you need to do yeah. right but then there is a cut off time also that is what you learn over yeah. the time yeah. right because uh, what happens thinking too much about uh, what the users may say you may start translating it in your own language mm. as a researcher and you may start bringing in your perspective mm. while as a researcher it is important for you not to get biased 
just with your experience and start relating those experiences to your yourself or some of your experiences so it's a fine line it's a fine line difference that you need to build and that is where i say data becomes really really important you need to go back look at the data uh, read through it and then start i would say picking those critical points which becomes really important for you as a researcher so that is what synthesizing means that is what decoding means you start identifying those different phrases that a person might have said different frustration ways they would have actually mentioned in their interviews you start consolidating them together and then you spend some time go through it and look at those behavioral angles of it so there there are many processes that then there are tools also which enable you sentiment analysis i think is one of the very great tools which can be used for some of these unknown areas mm-hmm. of the user mm-hmm. like for some journey or a workflow you know okay the user cursor is going into five different directions he is not able to find a button that he is looking for or he is not able to find from where he can change the location mm-hmm. so that is one level of input that you can gather mm-hmm. while you have to look at the problem in the existing product but yeah. if you are looking for reimagining the whole experience then it has to move very differently the approach has to be totally different in that case because people cannot say what they want because they haven't seen a new experience they don't know what they are expecting so that is where in scenarios in few of the scenarios you may be required to work closely with the ux designer mm-hmm. build a concept and then take it forward so mm-hmm. that is where your decoding may happen where you start designing something you start creating something start scribbling something and you'll realize okay this was something we were talking about so it is important to also ideate in a group do that brainstorming session the ability to listen to the other person and not saying my idea my perspective remains at top what i have understood hmm. yeah. right so that is where perspectives make a lot of difference hmm. in design the more you ideate the more ideas you are able to gather will slowly gradually help you filter out to the right solution Mm. and you'll be surprised you'll take it to user testing and you'll realize oh my god that is not the right solution <laughs> yeah so i guess that is where the iterative nature of design we all need to accept this fact yeah i am loving the aha moments i'm having in this session in this interview <laughs> like even the decoding part it can be done in so many ways i mean you can work in a team on that decoding maybe you are doing a focus group and you've done it as a team uh, you can do it and uh, as a team then you can also do it individually retrospectively so it's like hit mm-hmm. and try as you said the iterative nature 
you have to iterate or you have to do that hit and trial process to see what is working the best for you in that scenario and that is why you know things like design systems or design processes or ux processes like rigid processes mm-hmm. it sort of doesn't resonate with me because all the things that you are sharing and we are discussing here it it's so much hidden trial and it's so dynamic i mean it's just hard to even think about sticking to a rigid steps like systems and processes can be you know a little more fixed and organized but those little little steps can be so variating so varying actually mm-hmm. so thank you so much for sharing this again another <laughs> great point that decoding point thank you so much i'm uh, glad if it is helping yeah absolutely <laughs> it's i can just you know play back all the things that happen network and like yeah this happens yeah this happens oh that's why this mm-hmm. doesn't work so i <laughs> i really hope that it works even better for our listeners okay uh, so i would like to mention our introduction call that we had uh, before we started recording this podcast and there was one very interesting thing you said there that at times when we think about the vision for the next 5 years we create things that wouldn't work now and i am not surprised that it came from a uxer because as uxers it's kind of we don't have any option but to be in touch with the reality with the roots so yeah i'm not surprised that you would share an insight like that but in our current culture we have emphasized so much on the future uh, that we tend to ignore the present so any thoughts mm-hmm. or experience that you would like to share that led you to this realization that when you're talking about the future be aware you might end up harming the present so what led to this beautiful philosophical insight see as uh, de- designers we have a knack to innovate hmm. and disrupt in every given opportunity yeah at times we forget is our end customer ready for it hmm. is the business ready we may actually get that jazz in a concept because we have been looking at global products we have been doing a lot of competitor competitor research and generally also look at some trending solutions around mm. but our users are just seeing the product in isolation especially for enterprise saas based product mm. gamification won't bring in value mm. as much efficiency or fast processing would mm-hmm. yeah and at times actually technology may not be ready which designers may not even consider at the time of conceptualizing if you remember the google glass hmm hmm uh, it was way ahead of its time mm-hmm. great concept design i guess it was one of the first exciting or uh, not ex- not literally exciting but it brought some disruption in the innovation world 
altogether that you could wear google glass and just with your uh, voice commands it would show you some data in front of your eyes but the problem that impacted the user experience and business was that the battery heat up in device mm-hmm. would just happen in 2 hours mm-hmm. right so and it directly impacted their business that now google glass isn't uh, you won't see it as much as you would have expected it when the product was launched so it was way ahead of its time the technology wasn't ready to support mm. what was conceptualized by the designer mm. another example could be maybe of tablet pcs mm. so when it was launched bill gates actually predicted that was somewhere around 2000 Mm-hmm. and bill gates predicted that tablet pcs will be everywhere in 2005 mm-hmm. however he was off by 5 years tablet mm-hmm. devices started becoming prominent in 2010 mm-hmm. after ipads only mm-hmm. so uh, when we start strategizing a product it's critical to train your audiences by giving them either sneak peeks of the product or uh giving some initial or in between releases so that by the time you reach your goal with the big bang they are equally ready to consume it let me tell you a very interesting case study or a project whatever you want to call that we experienced it was for one of our customers in mexico they were looking at reimagining the sales management system what we did was we included a hamburger menu in a sales app mm-hmm. since the product was responsive in nature uh, it made perfect sense mm-hmm. i believe it was around 2015 where android had hamburger menus and it was one of the trending interactions mm-hmm. that would solve the lifelong issue of space Screen space where you need to fit in multiple navigational items. We created and we felt, wow, this is great. Just these three lines would make the design responsive, also in nature, and you could fit any count of your tabs and navigation under that hamburger menu. Mm-hmm. Right. So we went ahead and we conducted an A/B testing where one of the options had hamburger menu and another one had the typical horizontal tabs in the header that you would see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to our surprise, ninety percent of users did not click the hamburger menu. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? <laughs> they scanned the page. They kept moving their cursor. and click something else on the dashboard maybe some other widget mm-hmm. cut to 2022 yeah hamburger menu is a common i would say feature that you'll see across platforms right so whether hamburger menu is a good interaction or not that's a separate debate <laughs> but uh, we just realized that something what is trending your if your customer is not ready if your end user hasn't tested it yet 
they may not be able to consume it though as designers we were seeing it everywhere as i mentioned it was on android android had so many apps mm. which had hamburger menu and now you see it almost uh, whether it is windows or even apple products if it is responsive in nature mm. the menu is something a way out although those three lines have in some of the cases have moved to dots but the concept of hamburger menus were not very evident for mm. that end user yeah can you also explain a bit that hamburger menu concept because if someone is new and you know they might not entirely understand uh, this hamburger menu concept uh, what i believe is that those three lines that we click on exactly it, you click on it it's on the typically it is on the left top corner there are three lines you click on it and it would show you the list of navigation and yeah. if you are in a web browser uh, it would actually the navigation which is hidden mm-hmm. below that menu icon it would be very much visible on the web browser so yeah. as you know responsive design works in columns yeah. so the minute the device size reduces it all uh, collapses within that specific icon mm. yeah wow such a beautiful story because this is a classic example where you know the designers were blinded by this style because they were seeing it anywhere but they did not understand that a large population is elusive to this concept and just because we are designers we are seeing it quite often than our users absolutely absolutely it was like uh, just on the face we could not believe the results but mm. definitely that is where your uh, data your research your user testing output becomes so yeah. critical yeah. yeah yeah and the other day we were you know having a small discussion on whether we should put a button on our cart like we were designing something mm-hmm. and uh, like whether we should like reflect a shadow on the cart to make it feel clickable or we should give a button and from this discussion i realized that i'll have to map out the tech savviness of my users to actually break or take this decision in the future so if i mm-hmm. feel that you know my users are quite tech savvy and all the whatever quantitative or whatever methods i use then that button might not be a point of discussion in my future meeting because i know that you know a large part of my users can navigate such a thing but if it it's a population my user is such a population that is still adjusting to this techy techy world that it is becoming then maybe that mm. button becomes a critical point of discussion yes thank you for that insight and see that is the reason why at times processes do become critical yeah yeah absolutely okay so um, i would like to know your personal like dipika's personal process or maybe a system in place it might be flexible to whatever degree on the spectrum 
of understanding her users and putting that into whatever you are creating or enabling others to create so i mean like how did you discover your own um your own path of understanding your users unearthing the personas for your product which is new gen it is a low code platform and i believe you are providing different kinds of solutions to different clients so like being in such a dynamic environment what did dipika do to always make sure that i'm getting the right kind of knowledge about my users and i'm also inculcating it in whatever that is being created under my guidance i strongly feel that uh, there has to be a system there has to be a process hmm. right and uh, processes work as a guiding rule for you to move forward okay whether it is to uh, get a better understanding about your user mm. or uh, to understand what may or may not work in your product mm. right so uh, it, it is very uh, contextual in sense mm. that uh, depending on the kind of information that is received Hmm. Uh, approach is built. Hmm. I have I haven't actually followed one single process across all the products or through my entire journey. Hmm. One size doesn't fit everyone, hmm. so it needs to be customized. It needs to be adjusted hmm. for those specific scenarios and situations. Hmm. depending on uh, the kind of problem that we are catering to hmm. is it a uh, time focused is it uh, is it impacting the business hmm. impacting the revenues hmm. how much uh, acceptance do we have hmm. from the end user hmm. on a solution that has already been provided and is it a show stopper for them mm-hmm. right so uh if you ask me okay of your mind dipika immediately tell us then as i said it's not just one for me mm-hmm. over the time i have learned different ways i bring in that flexibility in myself Mm. and not sticking to the rules mm. so taking a part from somewhere then building over and above it mm. and that is what helps me take it forward it's all about thinking from a solution mindset mm-hmm. solution for the user solution or the process mm. that we may need to change when working towards a specific problem 
or trying to understand a user. It's not always the case that you have access to the users or you can conduct user interviews, have those focused conversations or even have interviews mm -hmm. with the users, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about low code, mm -hmm. so let's understand that it was very early in the industry mm -hmm. when Nugen started creating low code products. Hmm. We recently celebrated a 30th anniversary. So you can imagine the expertise that exists here. Hmm. It's a complex space hmm. that requires a deep knowledge of the technology hmm. and the business. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, basically, our products actually help the IT folks to mm. develop end-to-end -end applications mm. rapidly through minimum coding. Mm. Okay. I'm just I'm just trying to give you a picture. First of all, what low code is all about, mm. right? Let me do that, mm. and maybe I'll be able to then explain you a bit better. Yeah, low code actually is something which enables mm. the user to do very, very minimum level of coding, hmm. right? And low code platforms, we see that they are here to stay. They'll hmm. be here for long. Yeah. So uh, with the changing technology and the need to build things fast, build systems efficiently, it becomes critical to have these low code platforms. Yeah. Right. Which not only will assist the user, but give them flexibility to build a customized platform and workflows. Mm. It could be uh, the usage of components that would appear and uh, also planning on how those components should be applied. There would be some specific rules and logics that needs to be applied. Mm whether it is controlling the size or even making the best use of brand guidelines. Mm. So low code platforms are actually a buffet which is made available mm. to the user where they can create their own salads. There are multiple methods to gather user feedback. Mm. At Times in New Gen, we also look at a ticketing system mm -hmm. to understand the queries that are raised by the users. Mm -hmm. Because those queries actually gives us visibility in the challenges mm -hmm. that they are facing from the product. Mm -hmm. So in this specific scenario, what we do, we convert those challenges to possible opportunities. Okay. So few of our queries, for example, were focused on looking for an efficient way to build a form, let's say. Though it may sound pretty simple, mm -hmm. but when we digged deep, we realized those users were spending a lot of time to create an interface for a form. Okay. Yeah. So what they were doing, or that is how the system was building, that they would add an interface, select a control, such as a checkbox or a date picker, configure the control properties one by one. Mm -hmm. 
just imagine if there were 10 controls in a view hmm. it would take them some time before they could see how the complete interface or the form would look like hmm. and after putting across and configuring these 10 controls they would realize oh my god either the positioning or size isn't what they were looking at hmm. or maybe it's better to have a drop down in a form instead of a list form yeah now what they'll do they need to go back again hmm. and fix all the controls that is like just imagine the effort that a user is putting in to do all this <laughs> so what will it make for them to reduce these rounds of editing real-time preview with logics applied hmm. would be definitely a life savior for them yeah absolutely in real time they can see what is the form is being built how they are saying it's easier said than done but very valuable hmm. so it's about building a efficient system a platform that is enabling your users to build a form maybe a loan application uh, used by the end customer which could be you and i yeah right so what we see a loan application form by a bank mm. it's a simple form but how it is digitally built mm. through the new gen product using low code platform mm and is efficiently built how it can how it, the complete journey can be optimized mm. is very crucial so that is what will bring value for the bank mm. resulting into a value for the end customer mm. right so it's a very complex space technology yeah. needs to be really really the heart of the whole product yeah <laughs> yes so what I was getting at there that, you know, those instincts that you develop after working for in a field for so many years, because, you know, at times there is time pressure at times all the time, actually. And then you might not have the right kind of environment for those hit and trial methods. But again, it's so complex that maybe your instinct has to be has become to like gauge the situation quickly and uh, then maybe apply the most appropriate approach that you feel from your experience will fit the best here and it was really great how step by step you explained that form thing which was very simple but uh, i mean such small things like only people who create it can understand uh, the efforts mm -hmm. that go behind that and this was just one example you have so many varying things that come to you that oh boy <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah it must be challenging and exciting at the same time so yeah yep. I, very much i i somehow felt the need i wish we were together in a room and we had a whiteboard with us <laughs> it would have been so easy 
to yeah. kind of talk through it as designers i really feel that a whiteboard marker or a pen or pencil paper is kind of go to place to do all our ideations to explain or something whatever yeah it just feels incomplete at times without it <laughs> yeah you just so, want to jump to a whiteboard yeah absolutely um now coming to your story again uh, you know you have been recognized by nascom as one of the women disruptors in tech which is a huge thing uh, because anyway in the tech scenario is we know that what is the representation of women in tech um and again uh, this year's women's day theme was break the bias so any anecdotes or stories you would like to share that got you to this moment of becoming a nascom woman disruptor because oh boy it sounds so like a adventurous woman disruptor i would like to no you story. you make me feel uh, different now all of a sudden i'm not sure if i did something at such a large scale i mean that's what it is like it is what it is <laughs> so uh, i would say i just did my bit uh, i attempted uh, to place india in the global design map hmm. by a uh, few of the initiatives by bringing in the first dribble design event to delhi ncr mm. basically the culture of meetups and communities especially design communities that we see now mm. was not there earlier especially in north india yeah it was very internal at org level there used to be those design workshops and connects that used to happen within your own organization considering it being a very uh, i would say a shielded space where just group of maybe four or five designers or depending on the size of the experience group there could be 30 people to even 300 designers all of them just doing it within their organization or within their state level organization right that is what was happening so i started realizing that these uh, talks and workshops related to the design thinking were missing from nascom's radar hmm. and that is where i guess we met up with few of the nascom leaders and we started conducting a lot of conferences around design thinking additionally i also started doing my bit by conducting workshops at not just design universities but even business schools mm-hmm. startup incubators young entrepreneurs programs mm-hmm. uh, growth forums and i guess uh, what we recently heard is also very a uh, great news for us that now cbse schools would be using uh, design thinking uh, they have kind of introduced the design thinking as an elective course mm-hmm. so that is a change and i feel very uh, excited about this change that has happened 
not just i would say uh, nascom or these universities and forums and all there were also opportunity uh, where i get, got to kick start the design led engineering training at the royal university of non pen cambodia so all this i think so is where uh, it just added up and we saw that now design itself design meetups are more prominent in the north india also earlier it was more towards the south of india but now it is i would say not just in india but internationally also how india is being considered in design the yeah. whole perspective has changed yeah right? yeah so it's all about i would say uh, doing your bit keep moving and doing what is right for the community mm. wow that sounds amazing um, because even through this podcast as i mentioned before that mm-hmm. i want to spread the word and the importance of user understanding which which as a word sounds so obvious like obviously you have to find the product market fit obviously you have to understand the users but there is a reason that so many things on an organization level fail and that is because if we are not giving the right attention to user understanding and user experience processes so now that you're spreading the word and you are embedding that importance in a in like india and then also spreading the word word all world all across thank you so much for doing that because it is needed absolutely we designers bloom and blossom i would say in the complete osmosis we really need that without it we are just working and we are just thinking in one direction yeah we we need those perspective we need those that 360 view we need people to challenge us question our ideas and also add to those ideas yeah so as a society we are in that transformational journey hmm. right and as you said the theme for this year being break the bias hmm. so we are in that journey already hmm. right so we all understand that change isn't easy and i i have been fortunate enough i've been treated at par on merit and not based on gender or race so whether it is in india and inter- or internationally in both the areas or places i must say there has been a lot of acceptance mm. on the merit so the part where we talk about okay you're a women leader in design i guess that's a afterthought mm. as women we should aspire to give in return what we have experienced or what i have experienced i've been lucky as i have been <laughs> mentioning that i had one of the amazing leaders or the bosses with whom i worked some great teams that have aspired me and that is what i w- i'm trying to give in return so such amazing stories you told and the way you 
broke down your journey your processes of understanding your users their behaviors and how differently you have approached it in different scenarios is amazing thank you so much for coming on the show dipika because we like i didn't expect that our conversation would go so long and actually this has been happening in each episode and i'm really glad this is happening because uh, this is a very beautiful experience for me so thank you so much for your time i enjoyed every bit of it sukriti mm-hmm. and uh, i think i just moved into a different zone altogether mm-hmm. while talking to you and i did not realize that it had been a lengthy conversation but i think we could go for hours and hours yeah these are very passionate areas for both of us i believe yeah many examples many areas that we can keep talking about there are common problems or scenarios that we all face in mm. different organizations uh, yeah it's pretty much similar that that is also one of the reason why design community becomes so strong yeah. because as designers we all face the same situation globally mm-hmm. whoever i have interacted internationally and nationally there has been those common experiences we all have faced it's a common journey that we all are traveling and we'll continue to travel we'll continue to uh, have uh, those challenges among our design process yeah. and we'll keep on pulling those opportunities out of those challenges yeah. <laughs> that is what we tend to do and we enjoy doing that right yeah, absolutely lovely talking to you swikriti and it was an amazing conversation you made me think a lot <laughs> but yes i enjoyed that thank you so much dipika for your time thank you bye bye